Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hour number two here on Overtime, 106.7 The Fan, taking you up till 6.45 before we turn it over to some Nationals baseball. Like I said, they got to win number 70 yesterday, so I'm pretty happy as a Nationals fan. I like the round number of 70. Makes me feel good. Right now we're talking about the Commanders, and last week, nine sacks, four interceptions. Who deserves the blame? 800-636-1067 if you want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Feel free to tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer as well. So I'm going to go through and talk about each and every sack just briefly and give you who I think the blame deserves to be on. And then we'll break it down at the end. I'll give you my pie chart of sorts of who deserves the blame for the sacks last week because it was kind of enlightening to me. So first sack, Sam, he needs to just hit the check down. It's a four-man rush. I blame it on Sam. His second sack, he pulls an RPO. He's not on the same page as Dotson. It looks like he's expecting Dotson to run a slant on the RPO. Dotson looks like he's running a go or some sort of deeper routes. In that situation, just hand the ball off. And he just made the wrong decision, ends up getting sacked for a loss of one. That one's not a big deal as much to me because that's just a simple say, hand it off instead. Third one, I blame the offensive line and the coverage. There was no one open, and it was third and nine. So it's kind of one of those situations where if you take a sack in that situation, unless you're back deep, I can somewhat live with those sorts of sacks where you're just punting from six, seven yards further back as opposed to you know, first down and it sets you behind the change. You're trying to make a play on third down. So I can live with that. We'll give that one on the offensive line and the coverage. There was a linebacker that came free on a six-man rush. That's tough. They bring a blitz. Maybe the offensive line should have picked it up. You've got a running back in in protection. But, again, I think that one's kind of split. I think they did well on the back end as well. Fourth sack. I think the coverage was good. I think the play design didn't have anyone open. It's first and ten. It ends up only being a loss of one. It was a four-man pressure. Linebacker blitz off the right, left defensive end dropped out. I thought it was picked up fairly well, but Sam steps up to run and gets sacked for a loss of one. Again, for a loss of one, I can live with those sorts of things, but maybe get rid of it, throw the ball away, find a way to get rid of it. But I think the coverage, the play design was to blame on that one. Fifth sack, and it's crazy that we're going through nine sacks. (laughs) Nine. There shouldn't be that many ever. But fifth sack. Offensive line, partly Sam. He hits his back step, and he's pretty much already under pressure, but he shuffles. Bates lines up off Wiley okay, on the right side, 
and Floyd widens out a little bit, and he basically gets a really good jump and runs around the end as well, and Wiley wasn't able to get a hand on him. It happened twice. So I don't know here if they started getting a jump on the snap count with Sam. So if you want to throw some blame on Sam there for that, I think you can because you can't have a predictable cadence. Because if you're just going to have your offensive tackles in a bad spot already, unless they're Jawan Taylor and getting a big head start in Kansas City at the right tackle position, or Lane Johnson does it all the time with Philly, gets a little bit of a head start, which kind of feel like is a false start. But, you know, I digress. If you're not going to give your offensive line much of a chance with your cadence and you're giving guys clues, then that's partly on the quarterback. So we'll see if that continues to be an issue. It happened twice where Leonard Floyd got a perfect jump off the line of scrimmage. This is one of them. But I still think that Wiley's got to find a way to at least get a hand on him. So we'll give that one to the offensive line, a little bit to Sam. Six sack. Offensive line and Sam, I think, shared on this one. The offensive line allows a pressure early. But Sam needs to throw the ball with anticipation. That's something that you'll hear me talk about coming up a little bit later. But Cole Turner's open in the middle, and the checkdown's open. But if he throws with a little bit of anticipation to Cole Turner coming out of his break and just trusting it, he makes the throw, and he it's, I wouldn't say an easy completion, but he's open. So make the throw there. So we'll say they split that one. Seven sack. Now we're starting to get into garbage time. This game's kind of over. We'll go coverage, O-line, Sam, all of them kind of work together. No one's really open. Sam's starting to look flustered back there. He hits his back foot, and immediately his eyes come down because he's already expecting pressure. It's not the greatest pocket. It's also third and long, so you kind of live. It's one of those things that happens in the NFL. When it's an obvious passing situation, you're going to get extra pressure because they know you have to pass. Eight sack, coverage, and Sam, it's garbage time. Needs to throw with anticipation. Ninth sack. Coverage and O-line, garbage time, nowhere to go. So I went through all nine there. It might not mean a whole lot to you because who cares? But here's how I went through it. I gave each and every sack 10 points worthy and gave the appropriate amounts. And here's how my pie chart ended up working out in terms of blame. Sam Howell ends up at 39% of the blame. Offensive line, 28%. Coverage was a quarter of it, 25%. EB, about 8%. So I was surprised a little bit by this because I went in with the notion, like I was telling you before, that I thought the offensive line was horrendous. And they weren't good by any means. No doubt about it. But I do think a majority of the blame for the nine sacks last Sunday was on Sam. And here's where I think you can see the most growth this week and going forward. We can stop with the notion that Sam Howell never makes the same mistake twice. Because we heard that in the preseason. And what did we talk about in the preseason? Holding the ball too long, takes too many sacks, doesn't throw the ball away. And what are we talking about right now? Holds the ball too long, takes too many sacks, doesn't throw the ball away. So we can get rid of that notion that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Now, here's where I need to see some growth, right here. I thought I was going to blame the offensive line. I end up blaming Sam here. Sam has to find a way to be better. And I don't know if it's protections and he needs to work with Nick Gates on calling protections so he can have a little bit more time. I don't know if it's something where he just needs to trust his eyes and when he comes off that first read, trust it, go through the reads quicker. I don't know if it's something where he starts to throw with anticipation a little bit like I talked about on a couple of those sacks where it looks like a guy's about to come open. You know he's running a 15-yard in or something of the sort and he's got the right leverage, and there's no one in the middle of the field, let it go, Sam. Trust your guy. 
trust the practice you've put in. I don't know if it's that. I don't 100% know what it is that Sam needs to do to go forward and not have this type of performance, but he has to figure it out. And this is where I think you can find the growth in Sam Howell the most. The four interceptions, two of them are horrible. The first sack or first interception, terrible. Staring a guy down, never goes to another read, and never sees the linebacker dropping underneath. I talked about the second and third interception. I think the offensive line had a big part in that, but it's still not acceptable for a quarterback in a messed up protection to just throw a pick. That's not acceptable. And then the last one, you just have to learn better. It reminded me a little bit of when I would play basketball going up levels. You know, you maybe you're in middle school and you start playing with some older kids and you try to make a pass over a guy and he just jumps up and steals it. You just learn over time, like, these athletes get better and better. And that seemed like one to me from when I was playing back in a long time ago. But back when I would play in high school or whatever, and you're playing against better competition, you try to throw a pass in basketball, and it just gets picked off, and it's one of those, yeah, I can't do that ever again. And you just put it in the back of your mind, and you remember going forward not to do that, and you don't make that mistake again. I think that's easily fixable. But he has to show growth. I don't like the idea that some people are already talking about benching him because I think it's way too early. But I laid out at the beginning of the show that after this Philly game, you've got three more winnable football games in a row right before you play Philly again at home. If Sam Howell isn't showing growth, and I'm a big part of the Sam Howell, what do you call it, the bandwagon, the Howell hive, they call it the Heineke hive, right? What do they call Sam Howell's, the Howell? I have no idea. But Sam Howell's fan club, I'm a big part of it. I love watching Sam Howell, and I still believe he can be a good NFL quarterback. Now's not the time to have that discussion about a possible benching, but I will say this. If he doesn't start showing some improvement, maybe you can have a discussion. I still don't think, and I I laid this out earlier, I think he should start all 17 games. I think he should play all 17 just because of the fact that if he shows he's good, you don't have to draft a quarterback. If he shows he's bad, you draft a quarterback. It's, I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. That's black and white. But... I just think he's got room to grow. I think he will grow. I think he's very mature. You listen to his answers at press conferences, and you can hear that maturity. I think he's very mature. So he's got to find a way to just build off of these things. And it's on him and EB to work on these things and figure them out. And I I just, the offensive line is not good. And this is why I thought it was funny that I saw Linnell's tweet last couple of days, and he was basically saying the offensive line isn't bad. I wouldn't go that far. I think that the offensive line is pretty poor, but Sam doesn't help them out, and I don't know that EB helps him out a whole lot with his game plans. I think you've got to find a way to run the football effectively, and they did against Buffalo. And some people might come out and say, well, they were down big. They really weren't. They were down 16 to nothing in the fourth quarter. You can still run the football then. Does it put you in a bind if you go down there and score and it takes a little bit more time off and you've got to find a way to get down there again and score? Sure. Maybe then you have to rely on Sam Howell a little bit more than you'd like. But they were still in a spot where they hadn't scored, so go with what's working, and the run game was working. I think they have to find a way to run the ball a little bit more. But I think with Sam Howell, you just got to start seeing him be a little bit more sound with his decision-making, obviously, with the interceptions. But speed up a little bit. If one's not there, get to two. If two's not there, get to three. Check it down. 
And the thing that I think we haven't seen so far with Sam, if it's not there, if you really want to simplify things, if you're Eric Bieniemy, tell Sam how this. Here's your two reads on the play. Here's your check down if you need them. Look to one. If one's not there, look to two. If two's not there, check it down to run. Run the ball. We've seen it a little bit. We saw him run in this game where he had a he had a play that was spectacular. It looked like it might be one of those things that you're playing as a top 10 play on Sports Center until he got tackled at like the three. But run the ball. Like find a way to be effective, be quick, get through your reads, but use the legs as well. And the reason he took off in this game wasn't anything to do with looking one to two to three to check down, going through the reads, nothing's there and taking off and run. It was because the pocket broke down and he had to escape a sack and all of a sudden there's a huge hole and he ends up running. That's what I need to see more of from Sam and I'm honestly surprised I haven't seen more of it just designed into EB's offense is I think you need to get the quarterback run game going. This is something that he was effective with, especially early on in his career here. Find a way to get him comfortable. Don't have him throwing 35 passes a game. Run the football. Run it with him. Get him in some easy completions and just keep doing those things. I think he can still develop. I think a lot of people this week were very down on Sam Howell to the point it sounded like they don't believe he can ever be a guy in the NFL. And I think that's wrong. It's been one bad week. I thought week one he was okay. I thought week one, week two he was good. I thought week three he was pretty bad. But if we even those out, we're giving him, what, a C grade through three games? That's fine. We got to still see improvement, obviously, but it's not as if he's failed in the first three games. This team is still sitting here at 2-1. and one. And that's one thing I do want people to remember as we go through this. There's definitely a lot of negative that we're going to talk about today as you get ready for this week's game against Philly. A lot of negative coming from last week's game against Buffalo because you got beat 37-3. to At the same point, this football team is 2-1. and one. They have two good wins under their belts. Find a way to go out there in Philly and grow off the performance you put on tape last week and then go into that three-game stretch of winnable football games against the Bears, against the Falcons, and the Giants, energized and improved and looking like the football team that you did more so in week two in the second half than what you did all game in week three. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'll talk to you about what changes I need to see this week because I think there are some things that this team can do to really help one another out because I think the loss against Buffalo was a full team loss. I think it's on the coaching staff. I think it's on the defense. I think it's on the individuals on the defense. I think it's on the offense, the individuals on the offense. I think there are plenty of things that they can change going into this Philly game tomorrow. What changes do you want to see? And I'll give you what changes I want to see going into tomorrow's game next on overtime. One Oh six, seven, the fan call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan. Overtime, Toby Altizer with you up until 645. We'll turn it over to some Nationals baseball, their final series of the season. Talking about the Commanders, what changes do you want to see this week? 800-636-1067. If you want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines, feel free to tweet me at any point during the show as well. At Toby underscore Altizer. Tyler Dunn from Go Long TD is going to join us coming up at 545 to take a look around the NFL. But what changes do you want to see this week? So let's start defensively on some things that I want to see. And I thought this going into the year, and I really don't understand why they did it, because I felt like last season they should have learned their lesson. Benjamin St. Juice is not a slot corner. I think he's a good corner. I do. You love just the intangibles he has. You obviously love his frame, the long arms. He looks like what you would expect a good cornerback to look like, and he's got the skills. I'd say the one knock on him is... You'd like to see his ball skills improved. Doesn't doesn't pick the ball off when he has the opportunities that you'd maybe like to see. But other than that, I think he's a solid NFL corner on the outside. There were so many times in that Buffalo game when you'd watch and it'd be Benjamin St. Juice lined up against some small, short, traditional slot receiver with a two-way go, and they give him a little move, a little hezzy, and he's wide open in the middle. Benjamin St. Juice isn't built to cover a guy in the middle of the field. That's not his style. That's not where he's at his best. If you want to have a prime example of that, of what they should have learned during training camp, go back and look when they did the joint practices with the Baltimore Ravens and go look at that Zay Flowers clip that everyone was posting everywhere. Guess who was covering him? Benjamin St. Juice. You know who's not built to cover guys like Zay Flowers? BSJ. That's not what he's meant to do. So then why do you keep putting him in the slot? You've got to find a guy. You've got to find one. And I, maybe it's not Kendall Fuller. Kendall's played really well this year. Leave, Kind of leave him alone maybe and just let him stay in the spot where he's at because he's playing well. Is it Forbes? Because it doesn't have to be something where Forbes plays in there on obvious rundowns or possible rundowns. Like if it's third and 12 and you need a guy in the slot, Forbes can play in there. If they want to run the ball in 3rd and 12, I'll take my chances that my guys can come up and make the play. So if you need a guy in the slot, maybe try Forbes out there. It's part of why you drafted Quan Martin. Obviously, he's still a rookie and learning, and he didn't have the best camp. But Benjamin St. Juice isn't a slot corner. And there were too many times that they got burnt with BSJ trying to cover a guy in the slot. That's just not who he is. I think he's a good outside corner, and you saw that last season. He started in the slot, struggled. 
people were talking about maybe moving on or trying something else, and they move him outside, and all of a sudden, he's a guy that all of us were pretty happy with throughout the rest of the season and expected him to be a really good player this year for the team, and now they're putting him back in the slot some. Now, it's not like he's getting just absolutely destroyed, but he can't cover guys in that short area, and they can get six and seven yards whenever they want. You'd see plays where Josh Allen wouldn't look at Diggs, wouldn't look at anyone else. He'd just immediately take a snap and look at whoever was in the slot that BSJ was on because he knew once they break in, I'm throwing them the ball, they're going to be wide open. That's number one. Number two, and this is the entire defensive line. I don't care if it's Chase Young. I don't care if it's John Allen. I don't care if it's Deron Payne or Montez Sweat or any of the other guys that play. They talked about four first-rounders on the defensive line, and John Allen was with the Junkies earlier this week and said the plan wasn't to spy. It was on us four. Okay, well then contain the quarterback. If that's your job, contain the quarterback. How many times did Josh Allen get out and run against this team? I've seen it happen more. So if you want the moral victory of that, then fine. I've seen Josh Allen torch guys on the ground much more than he did against Washington last week. So if you want to say that, fine. Congratulations, you still lost 37-3. to You have to be better at containing the quarterback. How many times on third down did Josh Allen just take off? How many times did he just get out of the pocket and make a play? Too many times Josh Allen had time to make plays. One, because of lack of containment. And two, lack of pressure. And that's unacceptable, in my opinion. At least give me one of the two. At least contain the quarterback if you're not going to get pressure, and at least pressure the quarterback if you're not going to contain him. If you're not going to do either of them, then why am I drafting four guys in the first round? Why am I paying guys $15, $20 million a year in the middle and possibly going to have to pay upwards of $15 million for the guys on the edges? Why am I even thinking about it if they can't even get pressure on a guy? They didn't do either. Josh Allen didn't feel an ounce of pressure last week, And he also didn't have to worry about finding a lane to escape because they were always wide open. So I need you to do one of the two. And they didn't either. And guess what? You've got another running quarterback this week against Philly. Jalen Hurts is savvy in the pocket. And if he needs to, he's going to find a way to escape. Either contain him or get pressure. Ideally, you get both. But maybe it's not possible. Give me at least one. Pressure him or contain him. I prefer contain over pressure, to be honest. Make Jalen Hurts beat you with his arm, but at least get something if you're not going to contain him. And it just seemed like all week last week that the defensive line had no impact on the game. And so we can talk about Sam, and we can talk about the offense and their struggles, and I understand when you basically don't score the entire game, you're going to lose. I get all that. But your defensive line is where you spent the most of your capital and it's where you're supposed to have the most leadership and the most dominance, and they were AWOL last week. Can't have that again this week. Either give me pressure or contain the quarterback at least one. Preferably both, but you got to do something this week. And I don't care that you're going up against the best offensive line in football this week. I don't care that they got Lane Johnson. I don't care that they got Jason Kelsey. I don't care. You were drafted in the first round, John Allen. You were drafted in the first round, Deron Payne, and you just got a big paycheck. You're looking to get a big paycheck, Chase Young. You were the number two overall pick. Same thing for Montez Sweat. I don't care that you're going up against the best offensive line in football. You were drafted in the first round. You're supposed to beat bad guys. You're supposed to beat average guys. And you're also supposed to beat good guys. So I don't care that you're going up against the best offensive line. 
find a way to make an impact in this game, or what are we doing here? The offense was never going to be the driving force for this football team this season. was never going to be. And I thought overall the defense played okay last week until the end, and they got put in some bad spots for the offense. But you also have to understand that your offense isn't going to be the driving force, and when you have that first possession, you have an opportunity to get off the field on third down multiple times and you don't do it, you're not helping out. All throughout that game, they had third down opportunities and they didn't get off the field. It's being tough on the defense, I understand, but you're also supposed to be the driving force and you also want to be considered one of the top units in the league and you gave up 37 last week. Got to find a way to be better. Offensively, we'll get into that next because I think there's a lot offensively that they need to be better at. We can talk about Sam. We can talk about the offensive line. I think we've hammered that home. I think there are ways that EB can be better, and I think around the entire offense, there are players that need to start making plays. I don't know if that's on EB. I don't know if that's on the various players, but we'll talk about that next here on 106.7 The Fan. If you want to hop in, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. What do you want to see different this week? We'll talk more about it next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan. It's overtime. Toby Altizer with you up until Nationals Baseball. A couple more hours here talking about the Commanders. We'll take a look around the NFL coming up at 5 o'clock. Also want to talk with Tyler Dunn. We'll talk with him coming up at 5.45, get his thoughts on the NFL. And then coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll dive into the keys to the game, give our predictions for what's going to happen tomorrow afternoon in Philly. But what changes do you want to see from... This past week to this week. Maybe you just want to see a competent football team. I think that'd be a nice change. But 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Feel free to hop in. You can also tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. So we we talked about the defense. Got a little more fired up than I was anticipating on the defense. But I think there's a lot of things that they can improve on offense. We hammered home Sam Howell. He's got to get rid of the ball. I think that's pretty obvious. He's got to improve. But he's still a young quarterback. So 
I think that there is still plenty of time for him to improve. So we've talked about him enough. I think the offensive line has to be better. That's plain and simple. And some of that is just playing together. Some of it's you just got to do your job. Like Andrew Wiley just can't get beat one-on-one. Like those sorts of things just cannot continue to happen. We've hammered that home. What are some other things that you want to see changed from last week's game to this week? What do you want to see improved? 800-636-1067 if you want to hop in. So I'll start with this. And I think Danny has done a good job all week long kind of hammering this home. And you can maybe apply this to any one of the receivers, but Jahan Dotson has to get the ball. Why did we talk all training camp about a couple of things, Jahan Dotson being one of them, like this is his breakout year. He was good last year, but he had some injuries. He would have been great last year if he wouldn't have been hurt. Now he's going to take that big step in year two. And through three games, he has 10 receptions for 83 yards. What am I missing here? He's one of your best players. He's your second best skill player on offense. Get him the ball. Just find ways to do it. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. You can scheme stuff up. And I think that EB has the ability to do that. You know, whether it's working in combo with Terry on a route combination, whether it's, you know, isolating him to a side or whatever the case may be, you can scheme some stuff for him. But sometimes it's just simple, man. Sometimes it is. Like, there were some opportunities on the drive down to the one last game that. Sam just missed. First down, he threw it away to Cole Turner. His eyes never came off of him. Jahan's open on the backside. I think Nikki Javala had posted that play on her Twitter. And Jahan's just open on the backside. Okay, that's not on Jahan. But you still got to find a way to get him the ball. And second down play. It's the one that he completes to Cole Turner. He gets down to the one-yard line. Not a negative play by Sam. But here's where I think it gets a little bit weird. Who were the top two playmakers on offense on this team? Mike, am I wrong when I say Terry McLaurin and Jahan? I I think I'm 1,000%. I I think I'm correct on that. So then tell me why Jahan has one-on-one man coverage at the top and he beat his man off the line. That should be a touchdown pass every single time because the guys you should be looking at, I understand that you have different reads on plays, but if Sam looks out there and says one-on-one with Jahan, and it's not Sauce Gardner out there. It's not primetime Deion Sanders out there. I don't even know who was covering him. It was someone you can beat, and he beat him. I get that it was a good throw to Cole Turner. John Dotson's open one-on-one. Sometimes I get what your reads are, but when you're out there and you see your best player has a matchup that's advantageous, you take advantage. I thought that was a missed opportunity, and so I think what they need to start doing is using them as focal points. Sam's always going to find the tight ends. We've seen that through enough games now that Sam's going to find his tight ends. He likes throwing the ball to the bigger targets. At the same point, look at Terry. If Terry's got a one-on-one matchup you like, throw it to Terry. He did a good job of that, I thought, against the Bills. There were some times when maybe he could have come back and made plays to other guys, but Terry had an advantageous matchup. He made a play. He threw it to Terry, who might have even been in tough coverage. Still made a play because it's Terry McLaurin. You can do the same thing with Jahan, and that's what I'm talking about here. It's second down and goal. Cole Turner makes a nice play, and it looks like maybe the play was schemed up for him, and that's why I'm not necessarily blaming anyone here. But Jahan is one-on-one with a corner at the top of the screen and beats him on a slant right away. 
that's got to be a touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. Just plain and simple. So you've got to find ways to get Jahan. I think Curtis has been fairly involved, but you can get him more involved. But Jahan and Terry just have to be the number one and two featured things in this offense. In an offense that is passing the ball much, much more than they're running it, it's crazy to me that we're not talking about Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson more. The the amount that they've passed the football, you would think that we'd be talking about Terry possibly being among league leaders in receptions or league leaders in yardage or having a bunch of touchdowns through three games. We're not talking about any of that. For the amount they've passed it, you'd think that Jahan Dotson, we'd be saying, oh, he's having that resurgent second year like we thought. He's the red zone target again. Like, who would have thought that a guy his size could be a good red zone target? But he's doing it again. But we're not having that discussion either. So I don't understand what is going on in that offensive room. But maybe I was wrong when I made the assessment. I still believe in enemy. Again, I want to get these things out before people think I'm being negative and just hate all these guys. I don't. I still believe in Biennemi. I still believe in Sam Howell. But maybe I was wrong on how Biennemi was going to create this offense. My thought process when Biennemi came in was coming off of what we'd seen in Kansas City where Tyreek Hill left and they were able to adapt their offense to the personnel. I thought that he was going to come in here and look at, okay, my top playmakers, Terry, Jahan, Curtis Samuel, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. And he was going to build it around that. And yet, you're seeing tight ends have similar numbers to the receivers. Nothing against the tight ends, but Logan Thomas is not the same caliber as Terry McLaurin. Cole Turner is not on the same level as Jahan Dotson. You should be featuring your top guys more. They've got to find a way to get the ball to Dotson, McLaurin, and Samuel Moore. We'll see what happens with Gibson, but specifically McLaurin and Dotson, they've got to find a way to get them the ball more. And then one more thing here, because I want to focus on Brian Robinson, but we'll do that in more next segment. But they have to run the ball. They just have to. I understand it's the modern NFL where you're not going to run the ball 50-50. I get all of that. But they have to be more disciplined to run the football, especially when you think back to last year when they went to Philly, how did they win that game? They controlled the time of possession by running the football. And I'm not going to say that they need to go in there with the same game plan that Scott Turner went in with last year. I wasn't a huge fan of Scott Turner's offense, but I'll give him credit for his ability to go up to Philly, create a game plan that was focused on running the football and staying disciplined and continuing to run the football because sometimes it's not going to work. And if you're going to sell out to running the ball because you don't feel like you are the superior team and that's how you're going to have to win... You have to really stay disciplined to that. And I feel like EB at times has gotten away from running the football, and I feel like he needs to rein himself in at times and just hand the ball off to Brian Robinson. Is it sexy handing the ball off to Brian Robinson 20 times a game? No, but there's no reason that he should only have 47 carries through three games. This is a guy that has the ability to run the ball 20 to 25 times a game. And I get that you don't want him to wear down early in the season, but that's also what he's here for. He's a big bruising back. And I I feel like you're just missing opportunities to hand him the football and let him work because it takes some pressure off the offensive line. It takes some pressure off Sam Howell because instead of having Sam Howell drop back 40, 45 times, now you're having him drop 30, 35 times. That's 10 more opportunities that are taken off 
of Sam Howell's plate. Ten more opportunities that are taken off the defensive line's ability to get after the passer and hit Sam. So find ways to just run the ball. I'm not saying that they need to go crazy about it and go 50-50 split or even run the ball more than they pass it. I've been, for the most part, fine with how EB has done a lot of things. But last game was the first time we saw this. And maybe this isn't the week to try to get it right against the stout defensive front for the Eagles. Week one, I wasn't a huge fan of the game plan, but maybe it was had to do with drops and some things, so it was fine. Week two, loved the game plan, and it worked. It was obviously successful. Week three, I think he tried a lot of what he had done week one. The issue was this was the first time we've seen in the first three weeks where the pass game was ineffective and the run game was effective, and he continued to go back to the pass game. If the run is working, you've got to run the football. You've got to find a way to run the football a little bit more. It's no, It doesn't even have to be a crazy amount more, but they need to use the ground game more. And I think they need to use Brian Robinson more. I think there's some creative ways that they need to use him. I want to talk about that next. You're to Overtime, 106.7. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Fan. Welcome back. Overtime, 106.7 The Fan, Toby Altizer. With you for another two hours here on The Fan. 800-636-1067 if you want to hop in. We're going to take a look around the NFL coming up at 5 o'clock. Tyler Dunn's going to join us about an hour at 545. But I think there are some things that I want to see them do differently with Brian Robinson. So one thing that we heard all throughout training camp was Brian Robinson was having this revelation with his hands. He could catch the football, and he was effective in the passing game. Where's that been? Where's that been? Every single time that Brian Robinson's on the field, it's basically to run the football. Antonio Gibson comes on in other scenarios, it seems like. And it's crazy to me to think that Brian Robinson showed you the ability to catch the football. Gibson is struggling, and... I really believed in Gibson. I just don't think it's going to happen here. Maybe a change of scenery after the season will create something for him, but I just don't think it's going to happen here. I think he can still be a nice change of pace back, but I think you just got to start giving Brian Robinson the bell cow role, and that's definitely not what happened on Sunday. On Sunday, Brian Robinson only played 20 snaps compared to 33 for Antonio Gibson. That's a 37% share for Brian Robinson, 61% for Gibson. I think that's got to be flipped, if anything. I would think that you would want Brian Robinson on the field for probably around 70% of the snaps. This is a guy that can run the ball fairly effectively. He was 10 for 70. He's looking healthier. He's starting to get more of that burst back, and he never goes down for negative yardage. Never. It's crazy. So last night I was interested in this because I feel like he's a better runner from under center than he is from out of the shotgun. And I went down the rabbit hole because... There was nowhere that had this stat, so I had to create it myself. So forgive me if it's a little bit off, but I think 
It's about as accurate as it could be. In his career, he has 129 carries out of the shotgun, 507 yards. That's a 3.93 yards per carry. He has two touchdowns, a long run of 24. And then under center, 123 carries, 506 yards, and a 4.11 yards per carry. Two touchdowns, a long of 27. But here's what's crazy about this whole stat. I think you can clearly see that he's a little bit better under center. But in 252 career carries, what would you guess, Mike? I'll give you the first guess of this. 252 carries. How many runs in his career do you think have gone for negative yardage? 252 carries. I'm going to say 11. 18. But Mm. that's still incredibly low. The fact that the guy just never gets tackled for negative yardage. I think you've got to get this guy involved a little bit more, especially in an offense that's having sacks. Get ahead of the chains. Make it easier. I understand the idea of passing on first down. I get it. You don't have to pass every first down. Run the ball. Brian Robinson's an animal. I mean, he's not a guy that's like flashy that's going to break off a 50-yard run, but he's steady getting you three, four, five yards every single carry, and that you know accumulates over time. Yeah, and I think you've got to do a little bit more of that. I think if you just settle in, do some of those things, don't handcuff yourself too much. Let the enemy do his thing. But you also have to understand, like, if everything else fails, just turn around and hand it to number eight because he can move the ball forward. It's going to be slow. Like you said, his career long run is 27 yards. He's not going to break off some crazy run. But I thought he had some really nice runs against Buffalo. I think they've got to start using him more. He's got to be the featured back. But I'd really like to see them find ways to get him involved in the pass game because that's something that we talked all training camp about. Like, wow, Brian Robinson can catch the football. But we haven't really seen that showcased. And we saw at times where he was running wheel routes down the sideline and he's making catches down the sideline. Things like that we just haven't seen. And we haven't seen Gibson used a whole lot in that way either. We've seen him run some routes, but unfortunately for him, the fumbling issues have popped back up. So I feel like this is a huge opportunity to just let Brian Robinson be the guy. Not saying that Antonio Gibson shouldn't see the field. Chris Rodriguez is out this week. They elevated Derek Gore, so all the more reason that you just continue using those two guys. You know, if you need to use Gore, you use him, but really you're just going to use Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. So if you're if you're thinking bench Gibson, this week's not the week to do that. But I feel like Brian Robinson has so much potential that they just haven't used yet. And the enemy falls in love with the pass game. It's understandable. But find ways to get Brian Robinson more involved. And he's a guy that helps out the offense because you don't get put behind the change. First and 10, I like the idea that they pass it more because at times, under Scott Turner, under previous regimes, it was pretty obvious it was a rundown on first and 10 every time. And I get it's a neutral down, so you've got to pass the ball out of it as well to kind of open up things for later. But at the same point, it's almost becoming obvious that they like to pass the ball in neutral downs way too much. So they've gonna, they're going to have to find a way to be a little more balanced. And Brian Robinson's the guy to do it. Yeah, Biennemi's got to adapt to the players that we have on our 100%. team. 100%. You know what I mean? Like I understand in Kansas City, you have Patrick Mahomes. You, at the time, he had Tyreek Hill, had Travis Kelsey, all these weapons. It's like... You know, we do have great skill players in our receiving core, but, you know, Brian Robinson's a dog. Like, you got to feed him the rock. Yeah, He's better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who they had. (laughs) Yeah, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but would you rather start first and 10 with an incompletion or 
a three-yard run. It's it's not like every time he needs to do it, but I feel like he's just forgetting sometimes that Brian Robinson is there, and this is a guy that can be incredibly effective for an offense that struggles going backwards at times with the sacks. You know, you eliminate some of those negative plays and turn those into two- and three-yard runs, you're looking a lot better. So I think they've got to find a way for the enemy. I don't know whether it's putting it in a sticky note. Now, I will say this. I don't want Ron talking to him about the offense. This still should be Eric Bieniemy's ship to run. If Eric Bieniemy fails, let it be because Eric Bieniemy failed. Don't start interfering and trying to give your input, Ron, because you're the head coach. No, let Eric Bieniemy run his offense. And if it fails, it fails. But let him make the choices. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You got to let Bieniemy call the shots here for this season. And so for me, like Bieniemy, if I'm him, I would think that you need maybe just like a post-it note or something on your play sheet or something in the corner to be like, hey, dude, don't forget you can run it. Because they weren't very effective on offense last week against Buffalo. But the one thing that was, seven yards a pop, was Brian Robinson. So he shouldn't finish with only 10 carries. Find a way to get him more involved. All right, we're going to take a break from the Commanders. We'll come back to it at 6 o'clock. We'll give our keys to the game as well as some players to watch and our predictions. Feel free to hop in during that segment. But I do want to talk about the NFL as a whole. Who's been surprising? I think the Bears are imploding. Hopefully, this team can beat them in Week 5. But we'll talk about that all coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Tyler Dunn from Go Long TD is going to join us at 545. Keep it tuned right here to Overtime 106.7 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 